This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast that tackles issues surrounding your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell, and today we're going to talk about advancements in the treatment of women's intimate health. Shauna Rupel is an obstetrician and gynecologist who sees women of all ages, including an emphasis on overall wellness, pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum care, and beyond. We asked Dr. Rupel, what are some of the side effects that women might have after childbirth? So women's bodies go through amazing changes to grow a baby, support that baby throughout the pregnancy, and then go through childbirth, whether they have a vaginal delivery or they undergo a cesarean section. The muscles, the fascia, the support systems really are never the same once you are pregnant and deliver a baby. Many women will complain of pain. They'll have back pain, pelvic pain. They will experience leaking. They'll have difficulty with intercourse, painful intercourse, vaginal dryness. And these symptoms are so common, but often not brought up by women because they're embarrassed or they feel that, you know, I'm in my 20s, I'm in my 30s, I shouldn't be experiencing these things. But they're honestly to be expected. And I try to tell women, although this is normal or this is common, this is not something that you have to live with. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can do things to help you alleviate your symptoms. We have resources available through physical therapy, through chiropractic care, through stretching and exercises, strengthening your core which can help alleviate some of these symptoms and make this stressful time period as you're trying to figure out juggling care of a newborn, potentially returning back to work, trying to deal with your new body, your new kind of normal. Let's start with pain. What kinds of pain are normal and what kind of treatments are you offering or are you suggesting for women to treat those most common pains? A lot of women will have pelvic pain. The pelvis is two bones that are held together by really strong ligaments. And in pregnancy, there's relaxation of those ligaments. If there is a shift in the bones of the pelvis, you can have discomfort at the front of the pelvis at the pubic symphysis or in the back. A lot of women will talk about sciatic pain or sacroiliac or SI joint pain. And that can cause discomfort with walking, with trying to exercise. So women get cleared to start resume physical activity after their postpartum visit. And they may have hurdles because they're unable to cycle. They're unable to run without having discomfort as those pubic bones are kind of rubbing together Mm -hmm. and having a little friction. So if you're having pain when you're trying to become more active, that would be something that you would want to reach out to your physician for. Mm -hmm. And an evaluation can allow us to figure out, do we need to stabilize and strengthen your core? Or is there something else there? Is there a little bit more of a dramatic separation between those pubic bones that would require potentially manipulation or a pelvic floor therapist to provide exercises and specifically to the pelvic floor yeah yep so there is a complex of several muscles that help support the pelvic floor and those are stressed and sometimes damaged with pregnancy Mm -hmm. and with childbirth you don't have to have a vaginal delivery for those muscles to be impacted anyone that has a pregnancy and carries a baby around that weight can be very damaging to the pelvic floor muscles. Mm -hmm. 
And we have some amazing pelvic floor therapists that their job is to do physical therapy on those muscles. So just as if you were to have a shoulder injury and go have additional exercises for your rotator cuff to strengthen it and to increase mobility, we can do the same thing after pregnancy and strengthen, decrease pain, decrease discomfort for women that are having pelvic floor dysfunction. Let's talk about the incontinence. And I've I've heard this from more than one of my relatives. What kind of treatments or therapies do you have for that? So we can start combating incontinence and preventing incontinence prior to pregnancy. So we talk about awareness of your core. Your core is actually disengaged most of the time. A lot of us are not cognizant of um, proper posture, Mm -hmm. breathing techniques. And so even talking about those things during pregnancy can help and can decrease your risk of issues when you're postpartum. We talk about Kegels. A lot of people have heard that term, which basically is a type of pelvic floor therapy or an exercise that we can instruct women on. But that is really just kind of scratching the surface as of what possible exercises can be done to decrease your symptoms of incontinence. There are more sophisticated exercises that you can be taught. We have pelvic floor therapists. They will coach you and help you to figure out kind of what muscles to To isolate. Yep. To isolate those muscles, which muscles to constrict. Mm -hmm. They can also identify weaknesses. So you may have a weakness in one muscle of your pelvic floor, which then results in the other muscles trying to overcompensate. That can result in pain if you have maybe a tightness or a contracture of a muscle in the pelvic floor. You can then get pelvic pain. Usually it results in painful intercourse is where we will see that. We also have some internal pelvic floor therapy devices that are on the market. So that's something some women don't find going to pelvic floor therapy convenient. When you have a newborn, it can be difficult to schedule the appointments. They really are only an hour a week. And so it's not going multiple times a week to go see a pelvic floor therapist, but sometimes just coordinating getting to an office can be difficult. So either following your completion of therapy or maybe prior to therapy, some women will purchase a pelvic floor exercise devices that they are able to use at home and it'll be like a daily program it might take 10 minutes a day that they are walked through these exercises and they can strengthen those muscles and help to rehabilitate those muscles on their own is there a difference between a pelvic floor therapist and a physical therapist a pelvic floor therapist is a physical therapist that has had additional training Mm -hmm. and so they are specifically trained to assess those muscles. When you look at the muscles of the body, there's a lot of them. And it can be overwhelming to learn the techniques to treat every area of the body, just like there may be an orthopedic physician who prefers to treat knees and shoulders versus another orthopedic physician that prefers to treat maybe hands and and hips. You develop skills necessary to give better advice and develop different tools to be able to target those anatomical areas better. Mm -hmm. So a pelvic floor therapist similarly 
has really focused and put additional effort and training into dealing with the muscles that support the pelvis. Let's talk about menopause. What are some common side effects that women experience that you see in your practice? With the decline in estrogen, which is basically the catalyst for menopause, women will experience decreased vaginal lubrication. They have decrease in the elasticity and the support of their vaginal tissues and decreased support of the urethra. Mm -hmm. So we will see incontinence more as women approach menopause. And this can be in women that haven't had any damage to the pelvic floor previously. So women that maybe haven't had childbirth or are not repetitive lifters or don't have a history of a very labor-intensive job. We will see with menopause, just the decline in estrogen levels result in decreased collagen support, decreased elasticity of the supporting structures underneath the urethra, which then create weakness and allow for leaking of urine with increased activity, coughing, sneezing, jumping. And so we'll see women that will stop doing activities that they enjoy. So I'll have women come to me that don't run anymore because they fear that they'll need to wear a pad or that they'll soak their underpants and that that'll be embarrassing if they're running with a friend. Or we have women that maybe aren't as active with their kids because they don't want to horse around on the trampoline and then have an accident and be embarrassed. So it impacts women's activity levels. Also in menopause, we see the decline in estrogen results in increased risk of osteoporosis, increased risk of cardiovascular disease. So we see increased risk of heart attacks, increased risk of atherosclerosis, and we see estrogen has some positive effects in the brain. So there are increased risk of Alzheimer's in women that have declining estrogen levels. So if all of these things have the common component of decreased estrogen, is automatically the solution to add estrogen back to the body? It can be for some women. There are risks to adding estrogen. Unopposed estrogen to the uterus can increase risk of uterine cancer. So a lot of times we'll combat that by adding progesterone, but additional estrogen and progesterone for women can increase risk of breast cancer. So there was the Women Health Initiative study that was done over 20 years ago, and we're still kind of analyzing the data from that. And we've seen women that were given exogenous or extra estrogen and progesterone, and we've looked at what their risks are of developing many things, cancer, fracture risk, dementia, And some things are going to be lessened. So some of those risks are going to be lessened when we administer exogenous or extra estrogen and progesterone. And some of those risks are going to be increased. So it's going to be individualized for each patient. So when we're looking at therapy and treatment of these conditions, it's really going to be best for you to schedule an appointment with your provider so you can talk about if physical therapy is best for you, if additional estrogen and potentially progesterone is best for you, if there's maybe a surgery that could help alleviate your symptoms. And we have a lot of different treatments and they are not cookie cutter, one size fits all. Really, it depends on the individual. And the most important thing is to actually feel comfortable in talking with your healthcare provider about this stuff because it's common. Right. And it is something that can be treated. 
it's common. Just because it's common doesn't necessarily mean it's normal. And that's really something I like to let women know. People don't talk about leaking and they don't talk about vaginal dryness and they don't talk about painful intercourse because we have I think maybe not made an avenue for women to feel like that is a big enough problem to have a healthcare provider address. Mm-hmm. A lot of women, I think, have this idea that it's just a normal part of life and that you just kind of have to live with it. You'll hear women kind of laugh about it, or I'll ask patients at visits just out of the blue. They haven't maybe checked off that they're having incontinence or that's not why they're seeing me, but just in conversation, I'll ask, you know, do you ever leak? And they almost laugh and say, well, yes, of course I leak. I mean, what are you talking about? I'm I'm 40 or I'm 50. And it's unfortunate, I think, that we have allowed that to be the norm. Exactly. Or the perceived norm. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think educating women that just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal will help them realize that there are things out there, there are possible treatments and evaluations that can lessen and maybe completely alleviate their symptoms. That is obstetrician and gynecologist, Dr. Shauna Rupel. If you have health concerns, the best place to start is your primary care provider. If you need help finding a primary care provider, go to midmichigan.org doctors. To learn more about women's health, visit the Women's Health blog at blogs.midmichigan.org. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Check back again soon for another edition of Health Dose.